Hi there, everybody. This is Comics Paradox, and I am one of your hosts, Powerful Brandon. Uh, this is just a little bit of a pre-recorded intro as we were having a discussion, and our good buddy Leo Pond, one of the three hosts, the other one being Justin Cooper, uh, decided to hit record, and we were having a conversation, so the uh, episode appears to start off in media res, uh, right in the thick of, of us discussing <laughs> just several other things. Uh, so, you know, just come on in. We're, we're gearing up uh, to talk about the show Superboy that was uh, syndicated through uh, Viacom, starring uh, Gerard Christopher through the majority of the series, uh, seasons two through four, uh, ran for 100 episodes, and uh, had four episodes especially that were uh, very, very important to me as a kid, which is part of the reason why I started this uh, podcast altogether. Uh, they take place in alternate reality timelines and lines very, very, very well with what else worlds and what ifs are altogether. Those uh, two particular sets of episodes, the first one is called The uh, Roads Not Taken and the second is The Road to Hell. Uh, if you have the chance, uh, Superboy is available, I believe, on Apple and on Amazon for purchase for each season digitally. Uh, other than that, Enjoy the episode, and if you uh, have any questions, comments, uh, please check us out on Good Pods or any other number of streaming services, uh, podcast streaming services, uh, as well as comicsparadox.com. Look forward to hearing from you all, and have a great and super day. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Kids, it's time to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books, and so much more, you're bound to find the shows for your taste. Whether it be Nerds of Unusual Origin, That Strange Show, Retro Red Octopus, Splash Pages, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad, Still Token with... My God, man, I can't read all of these. So just feel free to play and experiment with the Dork Eating Podcast Network. There are over 30 shows chock full of dirty goodness to sink your ears into. And they're all available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Uh, Oblivion. Yeah, there was there was no Superboy. Oh, we're starting. Okay. 
Well, well I, 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 I figured I'd just hit record just in case. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I just want to say, like, I had some genuine ass joy watching this show, and I didn't expect it, but it was good, and like, it was cool to go through and see what you had been talking about. You're like, oh, check out Metallo, check out Bizarro, and all that, and I'm like, check out Mitch, Mitch Spitlick. I'm like, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm telling you, like, it's, it's delightful, and. Yeah. One of the one of my favorite things about the show altogether, uh, one of them is the fact that, um, first of all, Gerard Christopher, good God, the guy looks like Superman. Like he looks like Superboy and Superman, like flat out. There's no it, it is a it. vast improvement from uh, season one to season two. And, oh, and wow. the funny thing is they look so similar when they're Clark, like with like the oh, hair down yeah. and all it's so similar. Then you get him when it, he's Superboy. You see his face. You're like, oh, that's way different. <laughs> yeah, I honestly think that the the first guy, um, even especially when he's Clark Kent, he has a little bit too much of the Blue Steel thing going on from <laughs> Zoolander. Just yeah, you know, like sucking in the cheeks. I'm like, all right, all right, buddy. But uh, Gerard Christopher, he he brings such an earnestness earnestness to the character. Uh, it, it's it's no wonder that he became more involved with the show as it went on. Like he, I believe he might've directed an episode or two. He started producing the show. I think he might've written an episode or two. He genuinely liked the comic books and the character. Uh, And that's why I think we, we got some really cool comic book esque things in there. Because when you have writers and the guy starring in it for Viacom and the Sulkin saying like, no, we should we should have Bizarro on there. We should have this tough talking cigar chomping Metallo and and all that all that brouhaha. Um, and, and also Sherman Howard uh, is such a good Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Like and and he just looks so much like Anthony Starr when he smiles like that. And you see the the little glimpse of the Homelander in that smile, and I'm just like, oh, what a creep! <laughs> it's it's kind of cool too because when you see Sherman Howard and he, they throw off all the airs, and he actually is bald as Lex Luthor in the show. Um, he has yeah, I the. Lost ex- you. Can you hear me? Can you yeah, hear I, me? I, I, I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Uh, but with Sherman Howard, he actually has the exact right look for Lex Luthor altogether. He's not overweight, but he's a tall guy. Mm-hmm. He has like these high cheekbones with that that big smile and those piercing green eyes. And you totally buy him as a genius who is maybe more than just a little deranged by his hatred of this Kryptonian dude. Uh, and, and he was at, Bub? Yeah, he was Bub in Day of the Dead. That's touted, the, uh... touted by George Romero as one of the best zombie players he ever worked with. Wow. Yeah. Did Have he fight seen... a shark? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. That wasn't Bob, right? No, no. But have you seen Day of the Dead? You know what? I'm not going to pretend I remember most of it, but I have seen it. 
Day of the Dead is is a really good one. It's I remember of, more of Land of the Dead with uh, John Leguizamo. And it's uh, it's it's like a more of a follow up to Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Um, and everybody, we have a bunch of survivors in a military compound, and uh, Sherman Howard plays a zombie who the doctor there is trying to rehabilitate and see if the zombies can actually be brought back to their humanity. And uh, Bob, as portrayed by Sherman Howard, he he starts getting there, and he calls him Bob because he reminds him of his brother. Um, so he, he names them and, uh, it's sort of, they sort of leave it with Bob is, is staying with the zombies when they're all making their way out. Because of course, eventually the place gets overrun and therein lies the horror. Um, but yeah, he, he stays back and he's a zombie that actually learns how to, he knows how to use a gun, which it's like sort of, sort of your 2001, a space odyssey deal. Like, uh oh. <laughs> Yeah, learning how to use tools now. Uh, That's the yeah, one uh, Megan's uncle was in. Pardon? Two thousand one, a space odyssey? No, no, no. Day of the Dead. Oh, okay. Oh, as like Not... an extra? No, 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 no. He was uh, uh, one of the main characters. He was um, uh, Walter Steele. Wait, what? 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 Wait, wait, a, wait, a, what? Hold on, wait a minute. What? How how is it's your cousin Marvin Barry? <laughs> is that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. <laughs> I don't know how they found me, but they found me. Um, hold 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 on a second. Hold on a second. Here. Leo with his show stopping abilities. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gary Clark. Get in. Really? Far. Hold on. Wait. Wait. Wait a second. That's that's Megan's uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He 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 was he was awesome. Oh, yeah. Megan's uh, uncle. Yeah. He so, he he passed away recently. Yeah, just a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. on New Year's Eve, I think. Yeah, New Year's Eve. Leo, what the, f my dude, I'm sitting up. <laughs> well. Uh, R.I.P. Man. Yeah. The uh, the coolest thing was uh, at our wedding, uh, he was, I think, no, he wasn't playing the piano. Megan's other uncle was playing the piano, and they were just, the after party, just, like, sitting there, like, singing, and it was it was just awesome. What wow. that's That yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah that's he, sound really cool. I'm pretty sure he was also in the ape suit in um, Trading Places. Yeah, well, he was a longshoreman in Trading Places. Yeah, but I think he... I remember Megan said that he was also in the ape suit. So I, wow. I don't know if he was like... With Al Franken? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, he, it's, he was the longshoreman in Trading Places. I can see the credit right here in front of me. But, he might have uh, been uncredited. Well, he's already credited in the movie as another character, but uh, reg regardless, yeah. Um, oh my goodness, in 1998, he found out he was, you know, what this is not about Megan's uncle, Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, Sherman Howard, he uh, he played Bub in 
Day of the Dead. It's a, it's a, an excellent follow-up to Dawn of the Dead by George Romero. Um, and Gerard Christopher came in replacing uh, the the season one actor. I think it's like John Newton Hames or something like that. I don't know. I never really cared for the season one stuff, which is unfortunate because uh, I liked Alan Mitchell Smith who played uh, uh, Wyatt in the movie Weird Science. He's I sort of think the... he was in season one. or Maybe I skipped a couple episodes, but I thought it was the other kid that was like the fake Jimmy Olsen. Uh, that would be that would be him, Elon Mitchell Smith. No, there's a there's another kid like because I watched the first two episodes of the first season, then I, I skipped around a little bit. There was oh, okay. like another kid. I honestly, I honestly never cared about the yeah, first season. Just, just skip it, dude. Because like, I, yeah, it's I, weird. I I like Gerard Christopher as the character, and, yep. and they even uh, redid the the opening credits for it. So yeah. Um, I I I I gravitated towards towards those um all together. Uh let's let's see 27 episodes. What Oh, season 2. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that Okay. No, he's great. My, my mistake. My mistake. Yeah. I, I I I it's been a very long time since I watched the show all together. Um What I show is that, Brandon? Superboy. The all Adventures right. of Superboy. I, I do think it's funny that in the opening credits to it um, they never say Krypton. Yeah, they just say uh, from a, a distant planet or something. From a right? distant planet, yep. rocketed from a distant planet, found by an elderly farming couple. You know all that, all that fun stuff. Um, they do encapsulate the spirit of of the character with the music, though. I, I got to give them that. They 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 hit the nail on the head. It, it, it's it's very much in the same vein as what you saw in like Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman moving forward. It. It is such a progenitor for Smallville too. Like it's like you could, you could literally just go and be like, "Oh my god, I feel like they did this on Smallville." Oh my god, I think they did this. Oh my god, like this in Buffy or this in Scooby Doo equals Smallville. Yeah, and the the interesting thing too is that this show was, I believe, primarily shot in America. Um, it was it was shot on the studio lots in like Los Angeles. And yeah. What it's, have you. it's definitely a studio lot back there. Like, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. It's the same set. <laughs> oh my God. The, I didn't I, care well, though. I didn't even care. Oh yeah. What, what <laughs> the, the great thing is like now, Leo, did you, did you only watch the road to hell part one and two, or did you watch? I, I watched six episodes. Uh, oh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Oh, tell yeah, us yeah. what all six were then, sir, please. Uh, well, the two roads not taken. Uh, the oh, two, yeah. Oh, good, good. The two rites of passage and then uh, oh, the road to hell. Okay. I didn't watch rites of passage. I didn't, wa I didn't watch rites of passage either. So, all right, road to hell. I sat there and Daryl watched those two with me. No, not roads, not roads. Hell, roads not taken. I'm sorry. That's the first two. Yeah, I feel like you have to one. watch that, and then you. Have yeah, to watch it does, that's why I was like, oh, okay. I, I was afraid, so I was like, I'm just going to start with these. It's like 24 minutes long. I'm like, you're not ruining my day. 24 on the outside, probably 21, honestly. Uh, but I sat down and I started watching Road to Hell, and I was like, uh, you know, I'm going to go back and, and watch these first, just just for funsies. 
And I got to say, watching the uh, Roads Not Taken episodes and getting to see Sovereign, that, that entire that entire deal um not just sovereign either but the the reality that he goes to first where superboy killed lex luther yeah all right that reality in particular the whole time our superboy is there did you notice something about the visuals of that reality no i mean is there like a blue tint to it or something or like it's all desaturated. Yeah. I turned to Dara halfway through the episode and I was like, holy shit, it's Zack Snyder's Superboy. <laughs> <laughs> even, yeah. even our Superboy being there in his bright blue and red suit was muted. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is another thing that it's like a progenitor for. Yeah, I I was thinking that they did that whole thing that Sin City did where they like it was like almost out of focus, you know, when it was like oh they put like a little like a color uh, filter on it or something. So. Yeah, no, they just they desaturated the hell out of it. They just muted the colors, just like fucking Zack Snyder does with every single movie, ever since he realized that he he can only get an erection with sepia tone involved, but uh. I, I thought they were trying to like emulate like eighties New York being all like dark and dystopian. Nah, that's that's old school, man. You make it like it's just like um oh my god, what is it? Zack uh, Snyder's taxi driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Like Battlestar Galactica on sci-fi. Oh um, yeah, yeah, like, that's true. A yellow tint whenever they're on Caprica, uh to show like how gross and dystopian everything is now all the radiation in the air uh but also i think they did something similar with maybe the blue tint uh in smallville when they show like the earth 2 version where kal-el had been found by lionel and he became ultraman um but yeah like just watching the thing i was like jesus mary and joseph this you you could almost picture Zack Snyder like oh so they did that on this oh well then that I'm tapping into the the nostalgia see I'm not the first one to do it thanks I, Joel not, Schumacher <laughs> yeah uh, see see you see Richard Donner had Superman kill Zod and and then these guys had 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 yellow desaturation and everything so I'm just I'm just following the legacy of, of Superman at this point like are you Zachary fucking are you the answer is no that's, that's not even <laughs> what happened <laughs> he took the sticker off it's not <laughs> even close um but yeah like i i do i do appreciate that with uh with this show uh the the design of the costume is 100% accurate to the comic book yeah, to, yeah that's good i mean it's the wrong letter, but to a T. Um, the the emblem on both the cape and the chest, the boots, all of it. It looks exactly the way it's been drawn since at least the early to mid eighties. Uh, and no, there was nobody trying to put a flourish on anything, change the insignia. So it was specific to this live action version they were doing. That has not been the case with any 
other live action iteration of the character. Yeah. Superman the movie changed the glyph slightly to, to make it stand out specifically for the version they were doing. Uh, Superman Returns did the same thing. Man of Steel, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. The closest you get to repetition is uh, in Smallville. They end up using the Superman Returns symbol uh, for for you know just like the brief glimpse you see. And otherwise, yeah, we get like a Kingdom Come Superman in the Elseworlds and yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earth stuff. Uh, and Tyler Hecklin is the closest that we've come to the Superman, like the the comic book version, besides this one that Gerard Christopher wore. That's the one uh, in the. He said his mom made a suit. Um, well, that's that's happened in two because uh, that was Lois and Clark and Superman and Lois. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I know Lois and Clark did that, but the Superman and Lois, the um, the suit from the Fleischer cartoon, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when he's wearing the sort of like almost teal suit with the Fleischer S. Uh, but that's 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 not the first time that that's happened um, where he, you know, somebody said, oh, hey, I like your suit. A kid at that, too, because um, uh, Dean Cain's Superman in the pilot episode of Lois and Clark said the same thing. Like, thanks. My mom made it. Yeah. Uh, and then they they that in that episode they actually had an S that was more in line with what we we got in Superboy, uh, but everything past that pilot episode it was the overly large, incredibly flourished S, like very shiny, satin-looking S emblem uh, on his chest. I, I which, like the the one from Superman Returns because I thought it was kind of a, like a cool emboss thing. Jesus. It was too. It was too small, though. It, it was. It was small, but yeah. it's like I like the idea that they did something like that, where it's like, hey, it does kind of stand out, you know, um, as opposed to something that just looks like it was like crudely could be torn off. And, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, it does look like space, you know, well, and, and it's it does textured. Need to be, does need to be torn off to be thrown as a, a weapon. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Set myself up for that one. Send me to I the mean, Phantom Zone. You know, I didn't mind the design of it. It was too small and not red. Yeah, it was definitely not red. It was, it was uh, yeah. It was maroon, uh, and it was just way too dark. Uh, Louise Mingenbach was the costume designer on that movie, and that she could have watched. Oh, she could have watched Superboy and taken a few fucking pointers. To be perfectly honest, send totally her to the Phantom Zone to work on John Jones Farm. <laughs> uh totally off topic but you mentioned uh kingdom come uh that comes back uh this week pardon what kingdom, kingdom come? come yeah uh world's finest issue 20 uh it's a return to kingdom come really wow it, it's this oh. would be about the eighth time they go back to that well yeah exactly that's yeah. what i'm thinking i'm like yeah if if i hadn't seen this several times and they didn't do like an extended story arc throughout all of justice society of america then man that would really blow my hair back and convergence brandon 
and Convergence, yeah. as I yes. always bring up because I'm the only one that liked it. And Convergence. I mean, I liked parts of Convergence. I have all of Convergence. I read all I knew of it. I knew it. <laughs> of course. Well, dude, this is my shit. Like, I read alternate reality comics and such. Of course I got Convergence. I mean, I don't I liked understand. it, so there. I like I had like three different ten chord blue beetles all in one comic. I'm like, yeah, this is my jam. I was, I was, um, I was okay with. I really liked how it, it had the continuation of the '90s Lois and Clark in it, and uh, you know, with a depowered Superman, the guy he and Lois he both were like a reprieve. You know, he he was able to live a life and start actually considering what it would be like to be a, a real husband and father without being pulled away all the time. Uh, and, you know, then of course they get folded into the new 52 and all that jazz. Uh, and then they came up with, for my money was the best modern update of the Superman costume since uh, they decided to, put fucking yellow in the field for superman's s back when like kurt, Sw kurt swan was doing it um and and that was the uh sort of uh the just the red ticks above like at the top of the boots but the rest of it was blue no underoos but still like a separation on on in color so you got like a little bit of red there it was it was great i mean i have like the little kotobukiya metallic stand Nice. figure of it um it was the reborn or rebirth rebirth uh suit and it was like it was my absolute favorite i i, I wish that were his costume his action suit forever and ever after that moment but you know shit in one hand wishing the other see which one fills up first <laughs> and uh but yeah like this um these particular episodes of Superboy, though, starring Gerard Christopher and, and Sherman Howard, they are right alongside John Byrne and Mike Mignola doing that early issue of Superman uh, Return to Krypton are the things that drove me towards loving alternate reality stories. Um, it was enough for me that this was a Superboy show and I got to see Bizarro in live action with my own two like eight-year-old eyeballs but man did it really did it really like throw me for a loop to see what would happen if superboy just like let loose and killed lex Luthor, or somebody else had raised him instead of the kents uh and i really enjoyed the uh the second set of episodes with uh road to hell the juxtaposition between the young jungle bound Kal-El and the older Kal-El as played by yeah. uh yeah. former like Tarzan actor slash Doc Savage actor, Ron Eli. Um, just the, the jungle Kal-El having no one, to, to care for him and raise him to teach him how to be a person, let alone a good person. And to see that Ron Eli's Kal-El, because uh, they never say Superman. Yeah. They never ever say Superman. But to see his his older Clark 
uh, with the white hair, S curl, and cardigan, which I absolutely that is totally 100% how I can picture an old Clark Kent, like for real. They did that so well. Um, to say to, to Superboy, like, you know, I achieved everything that I ever dreamed of in helping society, helping people. We've we've done so much together here on this planet, every person that we're, we've been able to like reach out and help other planets and other worlds, you know, and like, that's, that's the ideal, right? That's, that's what a society should strive for. Be, be good to one another, be excellent to one another. Wow. Yeah. And um, <laughs> wild stallions rule. And to see that, the issue, like the difference is that young one, it's all still the same like time stream timeline for us on, on earth. However, something happened where Kal-El arrived later. And that's why he's a kid while Lana is still like the same age. And then you have this older Superman. And I would say that this Kal-El is the one who landed in 1938. You know, this is this is the Superman who first showed up and his first appearance. People seeing him would have been lifting a giant green car and, you know, as it ran away and trying to keep it from hurting anyone as it smashes into a, a rock nearby. Um, and the fact that Lex was the same age as he was in the timeline we know, but Superman could see that this kid was kind of troubled, but incredibly gifted and stepped in and guided him and basically helped raise him to be a good person and a fantastic citizen. And, you know, it's just like the, the, that road less traveled by and to end it all, you know, with older soup to older Clark saying like, I did all this work, but you know, now I'm retired and I, I'm lonely. I have no one to share this with. Very Don't. reminiscent of a certain Elseworld book that we did, you know, where yeah. Superman ends up dying, you know, at the end of the conflict. Yeah. yeah uh, the uh, Secret Society of Superheroes. Yeah. And uh, just does what a good Superman, Superboy story does and ends on a very heartfelt and hopeful note where this little boy had no one and this older man who succeeded in creating and helping to create a society that was self-sustaining and had no need for a Superman any longer was able to stay with that kid and raise him to be the hero his world would need. You know, they walk hand in hand after he, he pulls out a lollipop for himself and then hands one to the little kid. And they, you know, like that's perfect. Absolutely perfect. You, you couldn't have asked for a better ending to that two-parter. Um, and the fact that they kept bringing back the same doctor to play oh, Dr. Winger. I, yeah. I got to talk about Dr. Winger. So shippy as he's, as he's called, I, I had no idea who this guy was. And I, I looked him up. He's not done anything else, really. Ken, uh, Kenneth Robert Ship, uh, Shippy. So that, yeah. that's, that's the scientist. The um, 
He hasn't done anything since 1999. I don't know if he's still alive or anything at this point, but um, I was just surprised. He's only done seven things. And when I first saw him in The Roads Not Taken, I'm like, is that who Brandon's talking about? Because I could see him with like that square jaw and quotient chin and all that being like a, a superhero. But then you see him, it's like, oh, he's got like a like a a weird sort of uh, hair metal look to him, and then he's got this other way. I'm like, this guy is going to be a villain called the Wig Master at this point, you know? But here's the thing: like, <laughs> it's the so wigs, entertaining. <laughs> the wigs all look like good on him, you know. He he was believable as these different characters, but the same guy in different realities. I it was didn't... cool. I appreciated the the harmony between each reality too. Every single time they showed up to where his lab was, he was always listening to some kind of music, music. Yep. way too loud. Mm-hmm. He always had to crank it down in order to hear whatever anybody else was doing as they approached. Do, um, do you have like a uh, a rundown of like the episode from like Roads uh, Not Taken and then one for that? Because I wonder if that's like what the listeners would be like. Because I'm not sure where someone can even see this. But like we're raving about these things and it's like we haven't even yeah. like said like what's going on. I personally uh, have purchased the entire series digitally on Amazon Prime. Like I, I have it. I have it through Amazon uh, so I can watch it on Prime Video. Um, I know that they released maybe the first season on DVD once there were the, the legal stuff was taken care of between Warner brothers, the Salkins and Viacom. Um, but I don't know that they did more DVD sets after that. And even if they did, they might be hard to, to find to come by your best bet. I honestly think at this point is to get them digitally on Amazon. They're not available on voodoo. Yep. Uh, no, or, any I, other. IT's ha- or Apple has them as well. Oh, Apple Apple has them? Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, that's a plus then. Um, I don't I don't commonly buy my stuff from Apple. I do have like all my stuff connected. So usually when I buy something in one place, it all converges. Um, but yeah, like this this show was uh, put into production, The Adventures of Superboy uh, by Ilya Salkind. Uh, the the son of of Alexander, they teamed up to bring us Superman the movie and, and such, and then they sold the rights to the the movie rights to Superman uh, to Canon Films, and that's how we ended up getting Superman for the Quest for Peace. But they were like, oh, we we still have the rights to Superboy. We can we can make a show with that, and they decided to go right to syndication with Viacom. <laughs> Uh, and they managed to get exactly the number of episodes they needed for syndication, 100. And then that was that. Was that. Um, then Warner Brothers was like, what are you doing? You, you don't own that. And it ended up becoming a whole big thing. The only way you could get any of the, um, the episodes for a long time was from Gerard Christopher. Uh, he had a website for a while. Uh, it was like GerardChristopher.com. I don't think it's still active anymore. I believe I looked it up recently. Um, but uh, back then, you could uh, you could buy. He had masters, and you could uh, you could buy copies on VHS of of uh, sets of episodes. This 
the the two that the two sets that we're talking about uh roads not taken and the road to hell was was a couple of them there was also like wish for armageddon oh yeah yeah rites of passage uh i think young dracula um yeah yeah Star. there's there's about three or four different dracula episodes there's a werewolf episode yeah. One of the, one of the Dracula episodes is pretty good. Run from, Dracula Run. Like yeah, I can't remember which one. I I do I do recall in I because I I started watching these and they're so quick. I do think I'm going to do a full run through of the series very soon just like as a treat to myself. Um I you started it, season 1. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I guess. Gerard Christopher is my superboy though. Like I I I thoroughly enjoyed the guy so much as the character, it's hard for me to go to season one and be like, okay, I guess I can suffer through this. I just want to be like, nah, bump this. I want to see Gerard Christopher's yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame you because it's like, I mean, I, I started off watching that. Cause I'm like, all right, I want to see what the contrast is. Cause I had no perspective. So I watched the Abe Vigoda, you know, episode and I watched, <laughs> I watched the first one with the guy that looked like Christopher Lloyd and all that. And I'm like, all right, you know, I, I kind of saw that. And it was a very different show then the second season and then the third season and all that. And I'm like, okay. And I really liked the second and third season vibe. And I mean, I, I was talking about like, they had, they had Gilbert Gottfried on, they had uh, the, the guy and I can never remember his name, but he, he was the one from Scrooge that thought uh, he was uh, Richard Burton. He's like, Dick, Dick, could you just do the, could you just do the lines, Dick? You know? Oh, uh, Michael Pollock, Michael Pollock. Yeah. As, um, you know, and Richard was it Richard Creel who does uh, who did Jaws? Yes. Yeah, he was he was chasing yes, around yeah, Mr. Mitzi yeah. Spitlick. It was so funny, and and I mean, oh just, yeah, I I mean, uh, Michael, everybody's okay Michael, with this. <laughs> Michael J. Pollock as as uh, Mitzi Spitlick is just like what an inspired casting choice. He was a he was a fantastic character actor as it was. Yeah. Um, my two things aside from Scrooge. I knew him from this show as Mixie Spitalik and the movie Roxanne. Oh, wow. Steve yeah. Martin. I know uh, he's at he Night Court at some point, too. But we won't turn this into another Night Court yeah. episode, I promise. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I knew him um, from, from uh, Steve Martin's movie. Roxanne, which uh, of course is a modern day retelling of uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was there was some great stuff. I mean, even not not that he's in the same caliber as uh, as Michael J. Pollock, but um, they even had Lex Luger show up at one point. Wow! On this show, fully decked out in Superboy's action suit. Yeah, it's like I can't even remember the context because remember I was like eight to nine years old when I first started watching this show, and uh, for me being a kid from from Boston, Massachusetts, uh, it was shown on Fox twenty five, uh, WFXT, and uh, it was usually on Sundays, and sometimes it would get preempted for like some sporting event maybe nascar even i don't know but you know it was it was uh slim pickings we weren't exactly eating great as geeks at that point in time yeah no that's true but we you had know? we had other things like uh we had a team and then eventually time tracks and 
renegade with Lorenzo Lamas. I had, there was a point in time where I had a Superboy show and a Flash television show on TV at the same time. Oh, that happened at the same time? Yeah, because Flash was what, 91? Yeah, and this went until 1992. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Are you a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books? Then Epic Tales from the Sewers is a podcast for you. We cover the comic books, video games, movies, cartoons, and anything else turtle-related. We talk about the toys, we talk about the cereal, we talk about all the fun things about turtles that we love so much. So give a listen. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Check out Epic Tales from the Sewers, part of the Epic Airways podcast network give a listen dudes cowabunga is this podcast for you so i mean i for for my little time traveling superhero comic book loving mind i mean that's that you may as you may as well have like offered fucking free speed outside of i mean the drug speed outside of the schoolyard like like yeah sure you said the first one's free fantastic the second one's free too, right? You know what? Don't even answer. I'll be back tomorrow. Like, you know, that it was it was it was great for a short amount of time. And um this past weekend was just like this crazy nostalgia filled nostalgia filled Ben for me because like watching these um Doom Patrol uh the second half of the last season premiered on Max. Um at the same time that I was getting into Superboy is when I was start I was buying I was getting uh who's who in the DC universe the, the loose leaf deals and um we're watching like I said Doom Patrol as a kid at that point like eight years old in 1990 nine years old in 1991 I could not read vertigo books and some there's one character from vertigo that vertigo wasn't even a part of my my vernacular at that point, I just knew DC Comics, Marvel Comics. That was it. And in the one of the very first D, Who's Who in the DC Universe uh, books that I got, there was a character, and he always freaked me out, the way he looked, the design of the character. And on the backs of those, it was like giant trading cards, but just like a loose leaf daily. You'd get their, their real name, like their alias their base of operations, their height, their weight, eye color, hair color, whatever. Um, and then you'd get their story, um, their their weapons, and, and their abilities. And this one character, he had this real horror look to him. He was gigantic. He was really – he was a creature. And he just had like – his head was this weird candle wreath. And I remember the look of him 
combined with what I read on the back of the fucking info sheet, it gives you a whole backstory on it. And I never really remembered that because the, the, the uh, creature's abilities was what freaked me out at nine years old. And that, that character was the candle maker from doom patrol which they have actually shown in live action, much like I never thought that I would see Bizarro in live action were it not for Superboy. Dara and I, my wife Dara and I, were sitting down watching Dune Patrol, and she's like, oh, you know, the, that candle guy, blah, blah, blah. And I just started chuckling and saying, like, you just have no idea, like, how long that character lived, like, rent-free in my head <laughs> through my childhood. And I went through all this, and I was like, in in... It wasn't even the look of the character that freaked me out, hun. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, it was it was his powers on the back of the info sheet. After all that story about how it's like this 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 being from like a, a you know from the ether, you know, and all, all that crazy wacky Doom Patrol esque stuff. She was like, What? What was it? I was like, his abilities, instead of listing out like heat vision and you know super strength and, and all that, his abilities, the whole section was three words. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, it was just three words. She was like, what could it have been that freaked you out that much? And I was like, you have to understand, with the story of the character, the visual on the front that was basically just a giant trading card illustration the three words to describe the Candlemaker's powers and abilities were simply, you name it. Damn. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Damn. I'm 41, and I say you name it. I'm like, yeah, that's that can't be good. And when you're nine and you see a creepy guy like that, I'm like, no, fuck that shit. I'm all set. And then, like, Wes Craven's <laughs> Wishmaster came out oh. just like a couple years later. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Sleep? Pfft, who needs that? I'm good, I guess. But yeah, like it it just stuck with me for the longest time. And I never it was one of those things where I built a block around it and never followed up on it ever again. And <laughs> then when we started watching Doom Patrol and I started delving more into like Grant Morrison's run and stuff like that, I was like, oh God, no, I'm starting to remember things. <laughs> and then I came across like I I have all those who's who in the DC universe that I was telling you guys about that I'm trying to like put into a giant like cool. binder and I'm like oh god he's he's right there big as life and twice as ugly you know what I can take care of this project later and it's yeah. I'm not I'm not even like I'm not even squeamish you know what I mean it's just I all of a sudden like I could feel all that stuff from when I was nine years old and I took solace in the fact that like booster gold was in the same thing and my my three jams at that point in time were Sundays, Sunday afternoons, watching this show, Superboy, tracing or trying to draw Booster Gold as Dan Jurgens drew him on that that uh, Who's Who in the DC Universe loose leaf photo like picture, and the Flash at eight thirty till nine thirty on Thursday nights on CBS, or you know. Whenever the hell they were gonna show it. Oh, this is this is Kevin McGuire. Oh well, I, I was looking at it, like still. Nineteen eighty six though. So or no, this is ninety. No, eighty seven. Okay, eighty seven. Yeah. But uh, but this this show, I mean, there's there's so much stuff that it did for the first time. You, you 
like I said, you got Mick, you you brought up Mixes Spitlick. Um, Metallo is someone. This is the very first time Metallo ever had a live action rendition. Um, and Bizarro, I think, was actually done incredibly well for for this entire series. Like, it's actually a lot with a little for Bizarro too, because it was it was essentially a facial application and paint and all that, and it's like, oh, wow, this worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um. And Gerard Christopher and the the guy playing Bizarro, they they worked well off one another. They they did really well. Um, and it's actually the uh, the last time too in this series that Lana Lang was portrayed as a redhead. It's it's funny too because knowing what you say about like oh there's a legal battle and all that, and I'm like okay they made Lana Lois, and and I was like well, why did they do that? And it's like. Well, they kind of had to because they couldn't use Lois. So it's like, oh, all right, that that makes sense. And it is it is kind of funny because uh, I I always remembered for the longest time um, with you know because like I said I, I watched it as often as I could when it was on TV. Um, and and in high school, going to Gerard Christopher's website, like I you know the masters were like twenty to forty dollars or something like that. Which, you know, if you had the money and there was no other way to get them at all, well worth it if you're a fan, you know. But I was like 15, and you may as well have said they were 150 to $200 a piece. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't get that coin. I'm sorry. I wouldn't. I'm like, I don't. How do I even send them the money? A what card? Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't do you think accept so. small bits of string? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, do, so what do I just, how, I mail all the quarters in an envelope? I don't understand. Um, but, uh, the, the, the funny thing is like, I would, I would like look at, at all this, all this stuff. And I just, with, with her, especially, I always remembered how Lana was trying to prove that Clark and super Superboy were the same person. That is not the case through the whole series. It's just what I remembered. And it wasn't until recently when I watched some stuff, I was like, oh, I took this one thing and just superimposed it over the entirety of the series. Uh, and as it turns out, it's like right towards the end of the series. Uh, Superboy has an issue with his his powers and Lana sees Superboy having issues with his powers. And she's like, wait a minute. And really finally like puts together that I think they're the same person. And she goes up to Clark and she's like, I know that you're, you're Superboy," And she pokes him with a fucking a huge pin and legitimately like he starts bleeding and he's like, Whoa, like he's like, stop. And she stabs him like three times. And he's like, no. she keeps stabbing him. She does yeah. it like three times. And, and she's like, but no, hold, hold on. That, you're supposed to be your super boy. And he's like, no, obviously not. Ow. You know? Yeah. And later on, Superboy Clark gets his powers back. And she's like, I figured it out. You've been faking the whole time. And she takes the pin and boom, goes to, like right at his chest in the full Superman action, Superboy action suit. And she goes to like jab him with this thing. And it just, bends and she's like but but 
but Clark and you, it doesn't. And I thought it was really cool because the the wire they used for the pin, it straightened out really well. Gerard Christopher just goes Lana, and just puts his fingers, runs it right up, and it's completely straight and looks like a sharp pin all over again. No bends, no dings in it, as, as if it were like a paper clip having been bent a bunch of times, just straightens it out, just like Superman would do. And she's still kind of like, but it's, but and he goes, would Clark do this? And lays one on her. And I was like, I swear to God, if this makes her memory go away, I'm going to throw something at my very expensive television. That is not what happened. But there's another scene right towards the end of it where she, Clark goes to get in a car, now having his powers back, and she has the pin again. And he's getting in, and of course he's bent over, and she goes to jam the pin right on his butt to, to poke him. And that's the last scene of the fucking series. <laughs> You don't see what happens. Uh, but then you hear, get out of my dreams and into my car. Get out of my dreams <laughs> and into my car. Lana starts going by the name Mercedes. Uh, but yeah, it leads it, directly it, into license to drive to for drive. the two Corys. Yeah. Um, uh, that was the, the other two episodes I watched. The, uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Was that was that Rites of Passage? The, yeah. The, okay, yep. so I did watch Rites of Passage. I'm okay. Um yeah, the, the the series finale, the two parter there, um, and it's you know it was it was a lot of fun going back and, and watching that. I remember they did sort of a Death of Superboy episode right at the same time that they were gearing up to do the Death of Superman in the comics, and I remember my teeny tiny little comic book boy brain being so upset that they were doing a Death of Superboy episode. Because I just didn't understand how how shows worked at that point in time, <laughs> and of course everything was fine by like the end of the episode, um, but it looked like he died in a, a huge like nuclear explosion or something like that, trying to stop some kind of of Armageddon of or what have you, and um, you know it was it was it, it just goes to show like the imagination of a kid can be grabbed and they can they can play with it in such a fun way by with these beloved characters and like if you were an adult watching it awesome i hope you enjoyed it but like as someone who was a kid and being able to go back and see it again as an adult now i'm like you know what i totally understand why nine-year-old brandon powers fell in love with this series That's really and cool. i don't get a chance personally to relive like nostalgia like that it's not really how i operate you guys the two of you know that like that's not i try not to dwell on things in the past because i want to give everything the room to breathe and grow and move forward because it's it's only fair to the generations coming up especially with a long-term character like superman superboy however you want to phrase it uh but this even in the late 80s, early 90s, is such a love letter to the Silver Age of comic books that it feels timeless. It's so much fun. It's not cynical. It's easily digestible. 
and the people involved, especially Gerard Christopher, genuinely cared about what they were doing. You know, for a guy to come into the role like he did and say, like, you know what? Not only do I want to play this character, like, I love this character. I love this story. I love this show. And being as involved as he possibly could, that just, like, that warms the cockles of where my heart once was as a teenager, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny, too, like, looking back on it, I, I you know, Stacy Heideck played Lana Lang in it. And after Superboy was was no longer on the air, the next thing I saw her in that I recognized her in was was Sequest DSV on NBC with, you know, Darwin, the talking dolphin and Jonathan Brandis. Darwin hurt and all that stuff. In that suit. I'm Roy Scheider. We're going to teach you how to go pee-pee. <laughs> Hi, I was also in Jaws. You know, that other water-related thing. Um, but that's the thing. is like, I watched Superboy, so I knew who Stacey Heideck was. And then I watched The Flash, as well as The NeverEnding Story 2. Yep. And I, I was traumatized very early on in my life by Stephen King's It, the miniseries on ABC. I was wildly aware of who Jonathan Brandis was, um, but he was on The Flash, and they were they were teasing that he was going to basically be like Kid Flash in a season two or future season of that show. And John Wesley Shipp, who played Barry Allen on that show, played Jonathan Brandis's, Brandis's father dad in, yeah. in The NeverEnding Story 2 when Jonathan Brandis took over the role as Bastion. So, like... It was a real, like, for me, like, there's so many people from, like, comic book kind of stuff. And then I found myself in, in a real, like, rock, hard place, Brandon directly in between. Because Sequest DSV was on at the same time as Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. And... Then, uh, you know, of course, like for me, Superman won out uh, and I still wasn't like I wasn't enthralled by uh, by it it was funny later on to me uh, that I, I watched a lot of Moonlighting with my mother as a kid. And I remember thinking that it was a lot like that show with the way I thought of it as a kid. I was like, this is like that show with the guy from Die Hard in it. And that's exactly <laughs> how it was described for like a lot of people. It's like moonlighting with with Superman and, and Lois instead. Or as Donatello said in the Turtles movie, it's kind of like moonlighting. <laughs> it's kind of like moonlighting. Yeah, I you hang out with Michael Jackson occasionally. <laughs> she, she's uh, she's still acting in Days of Our Lives. Who Terry Hatcher? No, Stacy. Uh, oh, Stacy Heideck. Yeah. Well, you know who she's married to, right? We don't. <laughs> Bradford Tatum? You guys ever seen Down Periscope? Yes. Stepanic. Rip Torn Son. Rip Torn Son. The, the one that's always trying to get kicked off, kicked out of the Navy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he rips the sleeves and walks around like a you know vest essentially all throughout. He's he becomes uh boys with uh what's his face? Um, Rob Harry, Harry Stanton. No, oh, no. Harry, <laughs> the fucking the mechanic, dude. 
There gives her another another 50 rpms you know dumping whiskey into the the diesel engine um <laughs> yeah that's that's her husband they've been married for decades now and i believe their daughter was um in uh oh that show with uh sophie lillis in it sophia lillis in it on netflix uh where she you know the one leo I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know those names. <laughs> it's uh the girl who played Beverly in it chapter one. Um oh okay. She has yeah. tele she has telekinesis. Um, Is that like the uh the the Fright 67s or any of those? No, 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 no. that's no that's the girl from Stranger Things. Uh, she was uh she was in F9. I'm not, I'm not okay with this. Oh, okay. I am not okay with this. That's the show. Um, I'm pretty sure that Bradford Tatum and Stacy Heideck's daughter is one of the popular kids in it. Uh, for somebody so, named Sophia Tatum. Sophia Tatum. Sophia Tatum. Yep. yep. Yeah. So it, she was in uh, F9, uh, Riverdale. She was in that Stallone movie. Yeah. Samaritan. Look at her. She looks like a brunette version of her mother. For crying out loud. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, here, I'll I'll share I'll share the screen right quick. I I got it. Oh, okay. Leo will share the screen right quick. <laughs> yeah. That's oh wow. Gonna, Almost like, like a, a, a Catherine Zeta Jones. Maybe a color like. photo, so you can actually see how much more she looks like her mom. Yeah. No. No. Just click on her. Hit close. All right. I'm gonna. But that's a Brian Setzer click shirt. On, click on that photo right there. There you go. <laughs> yeah, she definitely has her mother's eyes. Yeah. Like it and her father's last name. Yeah, there we go. Indeed, <laughs> most certainly. Um funny enough, too, that uh Gerard Christopher, when he uh was cast as Superboy for it, uh, he is, I believe, to this day still the oldest person in like the modern era to have been cast as Kal-El um, since like the, the like the cinematic, the silver screen. So, cause like Christopher Reeve was like 24. Dean Kane was in his mid, mid to late twenties. Um, Tom Welling was like early twenties when he got cast. Um, Brandon Routh was 24 when he was cast. Uh, same thing with um, what's his face, Henry Cavill. He was he he wasn't quite 30. I'm when not he was person. Yeah, who's that guy? Yeah. But um, yeah, like in in the the nuttiest part about it, like I remember going to like I said, GerardChristopher.com to. You know, imagine being able to buy the masters of those episodes of Superboy that he had available for sale. Um, he, I believe he moved to Italy for a while, or maybe it was before he had, he had started on Superboy. But the guy, like, got into even better shape than he was in on Superboy. And that's nuts to me because... You can't, I mean, it's tough when you're, when they're in the, like the Lycra, you, you know, there's a reason why they started making more textured suits for the, the modern 
versions they're doing on this on the big screen with like Marvel in in DC. You know, you have like more definition built into it uh, to kind of showcase the hard work that these actors and actresses have been putting in. Uh, Dara, watching some of these episodes with me, we both were like, "Holy crap!" Because even when he's playing Superboy at that point in time. You can actually see the definition of his stomach through the friggin' spandex, which is that's that's insane to me. Like I can't even I I don't even know what it's like to have an ab, let yeah, alone, yeah, let alone, many <laughs> let alone <abs>. enough <laughs> that you can see a ripple of them yeah. under a bright blue piece of spandex, essentially. Um, but yeah, after the fact, like he got in even better shape and Dara, you know, saw him, I showed him like, this is him now. Like, you know, he's going to be a Rodan Kalhan. And she was like, how old is he? I'm like, he's, he's older. And she's like, what the, like, how, how is he that old? I'm like, you know, it's just like my dad has said since seeing Superboy, he's like, man, when they, when they pick someone to play the character, they, they really pick them. They, they know what they're doing, man. And, uh, you know, I've always found it to be like, yeah, I've always lamented the fact that he was never brought more into the fold as time has gone on. You know, like Superboy has kind of been forgotten yeah. uh, with everything else by the general public um, for, for tiny little nerds like me that grew up into loud mouths doing podcasts not obviously not the case um but i can't i can't stress enough like if you if you love the the fun silver age type stories you can't go wrong with this show you really cannot um, i think you you hit something on the head when you were talking about the light nature of the show where it's not doom and gloom it's not it doesn't have like a negative slant to it it's not it's not trying to be grim and gritty, grim dark. Like it just is. And it's light and it's got humor and it shows friendship and like close friendship. And then we have stuff that's like, hey Lana, you gonna take me on that date? You know, it's like stuff like that. But it's also like, all right, you see Goofy Clark and you see, you know, Lana, and it's like you could tell that they've got that chemistry. And it's it's yeah. really it was really enjoyable to watch. Like I said, my family's like, why are you still watching this stuff? And I'm like, I'm enjoying it. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's all kinds of fun little things too. Like as time has gone on that you can look at for and the fun. effects get better. So they, they do. Yeah. Oh, I will season say, one, season one effects are harsh. Yeah. I will say too. Um, the one thing that I completely forgot about, until I watched uh, several of these episodes recently uh, that they, this is definitely a silver age thing and we've not really seen them do uh, full blown like this in any other live action uh, iteration is when Superboy is exposed to kryptonite, his skin starts to turn green, turn green. Yep. full on ninja turtle green and that is exactly what would happen with kryptonite poisoning in the comic books none of this like green veins running up the arm or anything which you know is a cool effect but i always thought even with smallville because they're the ones that really started doing that 
I always thought it would be cool if like that led to the skin starting to develop like a green tint. Uh, I always every- think of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow with uh, yep. crypto who killed the uh, kryptonite man. Yeah. And at the end, crypto is completely green. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, I mean, the, that's a silver really, age story. So yeah, it's the last silver age mm-hmm. story. Um, and it's just like, it's really cool when watching the show, especially like you said, like a little later on when you see that effect uh, and they, they actually do it so subtly because he doesn't turn green right away. I mean, they, they dial it the longer he's exposed to the kryptonite. And then once the kryptonite is removed from him, they dial it down again and he slowly gets back to his regular coloring. Like I, it, it was, it's like I said, it's very subtle, but Holy crap. Like for someone who's gone back and read a lot of these old comics who read a lot of them, even at that point in time as a kid, um, it, it was it was kind of it was really fun at 41 to to watch an episode and not anticipate that and be like what the hell like i can't believe i can't believe they did that you know and i think they were um one of the first live action renditions too to give kryptonite a sound oh yeah that makes sense yeah um and and lex had it in roads not taken and then uh road to hell they had some So, and I mean, a big part of it was with the Bizarro one where he puts it in the lead sort of uh, gauntlet and then, then um, zaps it and tries to get it on Bizarro. It was, it was funny on how that continued from the Metallo episode. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, that's kind of sick. So like, it's, it was interesting because there's a lot of things that we hadn't seen yet. And, And it's not like, oh, I'm watching an episode of MASH and they talk about something that happened two episodes ago. Even that didn't happen back then. You know, so it's like with, with this, it's like, oh, we're getting sec- sequential things that build upon each other and all that. And I really hadn't seen anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's just like it's one of those it's one of those things where when you're watching and you you uh, you know that these these people really enjoyed what they were doing on the show Um you find out like little things where they, they really did try to be involved even further uh, with other projects. Uh, Gerard Christopher from, from all reports that, that I have seen uh, he actually was the person that they cast as Clark Kent and Superman in Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. And then they, finally like looked at his his resume and they're like you've done this before and he was like yeah and they're like no we want someone who's never acted this part and that was that he was out and i was like that's unfortunate because that would have been a great continuation for for him to move on and play superman it's not something we've gotten too often that would have been cool yeah and and i i like with his look and all that i think he would have nailed it oh 100 percent 100 and, and, and they were taking it more seriously than Viacom was uh the adventures of Superboy it would have given him a chance to flex w- figuratively a bit more uh that you know and, and I would have liked to see him bring like an everyman quality to Clark I think that would have been 
that would have been good. He, he would have been to direct directed to do so, and I I think he would have nailed it one hundred percent. Sherman Howard also was one of the two finalists to make it through the casting rounds for the voice of Lex Luthor in Superman, the animated series. And we ended up with Clancy Brown, right? Yep. But they still liked Sherman Howard so much that they made him the voice of the main villain for the first couple seasons, the first season, especially Manhunt of Batman beyond. Oh, no shit. He's blight is blight. Derek. Wow. Derek powers, which delighted me to no end because that is my cousin's name. (laughs) Oh, that's, that is hilarious too. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like I, I you're like so you're gonna like shoot radiation at anyone? He's like, shut up, Brandon, shut up, Brandon. <laughs> Actually, he'd be like, yeah, at least my name shows up in this shit. You like? I was but, like, yeah. Well, but he- that's the thing, Stan Berkowitz again. You know, the writer of Batman Beyond. You know, there's crossover. Yeah, um, it's you know, it's just it's it's crazy to me that like that's only ten years later too because that came out in '98, so '88 yeah. to '98. I mean, there's there's what a, a three year. A three-year, not maybe. even, be, yeah. not even because Superboy ended in '92. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, it was on for four seasons. There was uh, essentially 25 episodes a season. Averages out. You know, they got their 100 episodes for syndication. Uh, but it's it's delightful. And if you have like, especially especially if you have little kids, who like just. You know, you can throw on a few episodes of this. And if they love superheroes, they like Superman, they, you know, you can throw this on. It's fun. It's You don't have to worry about what the content is going to be. There's nothing, like, too scary. Uh, and even, even if it is, it's, like, daytime Fox Kids type scary. Nothing that a, 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 an eight, seven, eight, nine-year-old couldn't handle. And... I just got to say, like, I was I was delighted to watch it. And as I mentioned, I plan on on rewatching the entirety of the series now. It's super easy, no pun intended, but super easy to get through. Uh, and if you know anything about how who the character is from the comic books, how, you know, truth, justice and all the other fun stuff um, to to go through and see these these alternate reality tales uh, in season three. Uh, where they do two sets of two-parters, the road, uh, roads not taken and the road to hell. It's really, it's really great to see how Superboy is portrayed by Gerard Christopher in these different iterations. He gets to have a little bit more fun with it than he does otherwise. Just like doing the whole Bureau of Paranormal Investigations, and because in the first season he's working, uh, he's going to like Schuster university and, and he's hanging on like the Siegel uh, school of journalism there or something like that. Uh, but they change it to he and Lana working for, you know, it's basically uh, pre- the X files before X files. Yeah. Like the, the BPRD year. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, uh, also the same. It's named a bit differently, but with Supergirl, the DEO. Yeah, the Department of Extra, Extra Normal. Normal is it DEO? 
Uh, pretty sure. I I don't know. I, I kind of stopped watching that show after the first I, Has season. he shown up in, in any other show? Like, was he on Smallville? Was he on no. Supergirl? What no. the heck? That's what I'm saying, man. It, 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 it's 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 mind-boggling and so frustrating because, I mean, for crying out loud, look at the guy. He Why? Why wouldn't you? Like, of, of all people, I understand you have you have your, you know, at that point in time, you had Julian Sands and, you know, they 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 tagged Terrence Stamp to be the voice of Jor-El for a while. But like, especially looking at Tom Welling, if you wanted to have someone look as though they could be Jor-El, yeah. why on <laughs> earth, why on earth? earth were you not reaching out to gerard he, he does he does look strikingly like he could be related to tom welling i mean the cheekbones alone yeah forget about it but yeah like you, you know if it's just i don't know why i don't know why he wasn't included more and in a lot more stuff i would i would love to see personally myself it would be great to see him involved in some capacity in superman legacy oh that would be cool Maybe, maybe be, someone needs to get on Twitter or, or X or whatever and, and uh, you know, say that to uh, James Gunn. I'll start doing it left and right five minutes after we finish recording this to be perfectly Sounds frank. like a plan. <laughs> I'll, be, uh, I'll be Frank, Ernest, and Brandon. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Supergirl and also um, looks like it was in, in Batman as well was the Department of Extra Normal Operations, and then Superboy was Bureau of Extra Normal Matters. Okay. Oh, okay, Extra Normal. I thought it was Paranormal, but yeah, Extra Normal, that makes, that makes yeah. perfectly sense. Perfectly good sense. Um, extra Mundane, which is the same thing as Extraordinary. <laughs> Think no, I about thought it. you said Extra Mayonnaise. I was like, geez. Oh, God. <laughs> the regular amount of mayonnaise is too much. I'm, I mean, I know I'm a white guy, but I'm not that friggin' He's white. a miracle flip. <laughs> Oh God, no! I no, thank you. I do not do miracle whip. I am. I think no. that's a southern thing. I'm not sure. But um, yeah. one one thing I wanted to mention about this is it kind of had similar energy to something I really enjoy. Like some of some of the things I really like about like the Ninja Turtles and all that. I pick up that same vibe from the Superboy show, like that lightness and the the jovial nature of the characters and. The idea that it's like there's this bad thing going on, but they still kind of have like a positive outlook on things, and it ends very hopefully, like you, were, it, you were saying. And and I kind of pick up a similar vibe. I I agree. In in, uh, in both on both sides of it, um, it feels very true to the character. Yeah. It it never it never feels as though it's straying from the source material. Uh, it, you know, especially when you consider what they're clearly pulling from you, you know with with superboy there was there was an awful lot that you could you could go back to from when they finally decided oh hey this robin sidekick teenage kid is doing well with batman fine we can do a superboy now um because a lot of people don't realize that that uh, jerry siegel and joe schuster actually did pitch uh superboy as a character in 1938 uh, and they were they were met with a resounding nah from National slash DC, uh, and then only after Robin the Boy Wonder was a successful character is when they said, 
maybe there's something to this teenage Superman thing <laughs> yeah. that you guys mentioned. Um, and then, of course, like Otto Binder came in and, and helped quite a bit with that. And he was responsible for the entire uh, Captain Marvel Shazam family. Uh, the guy knew how to make teenage teenage characters uh, likable and, and, and affable and, you know, cool, for lack of a better term. I like that horrible tin tin and i don't know if that was around that time but uh the oh, yellow yeah. the yellow kid you know it's uh, like, the yellow kid it's like the very first comic yeah, exactly. oh, God. <laughs> really jumping in the way back machine for that one um but yeah so i mean there's there's a lot of stuff that they were able to pull from and you know the the stuff with superboy and lex luther being friends and Having having Bizarro show up, that is that is all mired in in those adventures from the the fifties and sixties. Uh, you know, that was that was probably one of the reasons my dad liked sitting down and watching the show with me because it was almost like watching those comics he read as a kid taking place live action. Now, pretty cool. And, yeah, and and like that's a great like cross generational touchstone thing and. Because of that, like I said, there's so much of it that feels timeless. Um, and regardless, yeah, you don't see anybody on cell phones or anything like that. But, you know, there's really there's really no part of it that you couldn't just plop down a, a kid that likes superhero stuff right now and say, like, here, here's a Superboy show. Watch this for a while. And it has all the stuff that they're going to want. The guy in the red cape with the dark hair the blue suit, the big S flying around lasers out of his eyes, Lex Luthor, kryptonite, bad guys, vampires, you know, whatever it's <laughs> truth. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's got all, all the stuff that, that a, a little comic book TV loving nerd is going to love. Uh, and the fact that regardless of the money making opportunity that some people saw for it, there was clearly people who, also were grown up kids enjoying doing the thing. And uh, I, I appreciate that still to this day. Uh, if it weren't for, if it weren't for that and, and John Byrne and maybe a, one or two very particular silver age comics, I never would have said to you, Leo, like, Hey, how about we do like an alternate reality comic book podcast? You know, it, it, because I was obsessed with seeing Gerard Christopher as a fascist or a, a, a leather jacket, sunglass bearing murderer in two episodes yeah. of, of this. And then my dad explaining to me later in that season, like, Oh, that guy used to be Tarzan, you know, just like little things like that. It, 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 it fueled my imagination and led me to Elseworlds and what ifs and, here we be. You I'm, know, I'm very pleased that you were um, so excited to share this with us and that we could watch it. I've enjoyed it. You know, it, it was one of those things where it's like, I didn't even have to go in open-minded because it's like, I started like just kind of feeding off your excitement for this. I'm like, this has to be good if he likes it, you know, and, and sure enough, it, it delivered. Thank you for that. I, I mean, I really do appreciate it. I try, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't scream and shout about a lot of things, you know, and, um, for, 
I was I I am still very excited for it, and I'm I'm so glad that you guys enjoyed it. But yeah, I tend not to I tend not to say like I really like this. I think it's good. I you know I I I can't wait uh, unless I mean it. And there's there's no part of this where my 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 affinity for it is not genuine. I I, I cannot. I, I was ex- I was excited to show my wife episodes of this, and even she, I could tell she's you know she's not me. I get it. You know she's like okay, I love you, so I'll watch this with you. But even she was sitting there with me, just like, oh, this isn't like this is. I could definitely see why little you fell in love with this show. Yeah. And like I said, I was I was joking during Roads Not Taken when we saw. Uh, you know, killer Superboy. He had taken out Lex Luthor in his reality. I was just like, "Oh, yep, Zack Snyder, Superboy. We finally, we finally got the Superboy that just said F it and you know laid waste to old Lexi." You know, and and, and Dara was like, "Really, Zack Snyder?" And I was like, "Yeah, look at the no color everywhere. I mean, I, I no slow mo though. You know, uh, that's true. But you know, they only had twenty one minutes to tell the story, right?" Yeah. I, I do have to say, uh, at one point I did have my doubts. Uh, when you you, when watched you, just, that, you watched season one, didn't you? Oh, I started off. I'm I'm I thought, okay, I'm gonna dive into this. I'm gonna start with the first episode. The same thing. Holy shit! I'm like, oh my god, this is painful. I and never so I, told either one of you to do that. <laughs> he, he, no, but I wanted to do extra, you know, to because he, he talked it up so much and. Uh, but then I decided just to jump to, you know, the actual uh, material and really enjoyed it. You know, it, it was definitely a great watch. It, it brought, you know, I'm shocked I did not watch this when it first aired because I watched the original Flash. And yeah. this was, you know, I this was my high school years. And it was like this was hard to find sometimes, though, man. It, it, and that was I mean, imagine this was your high school years. Imagine being eight or nine years old and. You know, not knowing if it was going to be on Sunday or Saturday or planning on seeing it and having it be preempted by who knows, you know, football or NASCAR or pickleball, whatever. <laughs> wasn't really thing then, but you get the idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and. Uh, it was it was i was i was heartbroken when it just kind of like disappeared it went away and ironically enough i never realized that i did see the last episode when it aired that's that's the that's the funny thing about revisiting it now is the very last episode i saw that's and i superimposed that i thought that was like the middle of the series well, and, the way the way they end it, though, it, it makes it seem like it's going to continue, you know? Yeah. And it just nothing past that point, which is is uh, it's criminal in the the whole the whole legal battle. I don't know when that started, if it was already going on at that point, if it was just gearing up to, to start. Uh, but, you know, let's let's uh, like Sam Beckett quantum leap this shit and put right things that once went wrong and. Maybe take a good hard look at getting Gerard Christopher involved in something moving forward. Like, you know, we got Superman Legacy. All right. Yeah, Legacy indeed. You know, we we had we had Christopher Reeve for a long time, right? 
And everybody points to, oh, well, you know, Lois and Clark, the new Adventures of Superman was the next iteration we got. Wildly incorrect. Not only was that not the next iteration, but the guy who played the character next had just as much passion for the character as Christopher Reeve did by the time he finished playing the character. How many seasons of Lois and Clark did they do? Uh, Too many. Uh, Aired from 93 to 97. Okay. So the same number of seasons as Superboy. That's what I I was saying. It's like, okay, so, so Gerard Christopher had three seasons. You know, Dean Cain had four. So, you know, I mean, probably more episodes of Lois and Clark, though, I imagine. No, more yeah. episodes of Superboy. There were 87 really? episodes of Lois and Clark. Okay. episodes of Superboy. Now, well, did you, there's did what, you 12 see? or 20 in the first season? Um, of Superboy? Yeah. Uh, give me one moment and I'll tell you. Let's see. And while you looked it up, did you watch? I, I didn't watch it yet, but did you watch the 1961 pilot? No, I've not watched that yet. Oh, I wanted no. to see that. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that. Um, let's see. I watch the Fleischer cartoons though; those are still amazing. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. My my wow. my nana would buy me those on VHS like all the time from the duty free in Boston. So my father would take her to shop there. Um, she was she was a, a war widow. My my grandfather was was uh, killed during the Battle of the Bulge in World War II, so she had benefits for the rest of her life. Uh, and occasionally I would go with my father and my Nana when they went shopping there. And um, I always saw this stand up. They had like a, you know, a whole big movie store section at, at the place. And they always had this stand up of kiss of the spider woman. And as like a six year, five, six, seven year old kid, I thought that was like a comic book movie. And my father's like, no, 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 <laughs> stop. <laughs> Just get it out of your head. It's not a comic book. I was like, leave Jeremy Spider- Irons out of this. But <laughs> Spider Woman, he's like, Brandon, it's not what you think. Just keep moving along. <laughs> you know, um, so the first season of Superboy was 26 episodes. Okay. So, so that's 74 with Gerard Christopher as as Clark Kent and Superboy. Okay, so just just shy of the eighty-seven that uh, thirteen less episodes okay. as the character than Dean Kane. But they didn't um, have a Bizarro, did they? Wait, no, they, they did not. They, they didn't, didn't even have a. They didn't even have a Mixius Spitlick. The closest they got was Howie Mandel. Yep, doing something. Had uh, um, Mark Hamill as Toy Man. Oh, he crossed over from Flash into Lois and Clark. Wow. Nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't remember a lot about Lois and Clark. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that'll that'll be something for another day, for another alternate universe and another yeah. alternate discussion. Maybe it was Mixius Spitlick. Oh, yeah, I know he did. He played Mixius Spitlick, Spitlick in, in Lois and Clark. It was the Christmas episode of Mixmas. That's right. Yeah. Is that the one where he inflated a glove on his head? Probably, <laughs> you know, just like every other thing he's been on. Mom, Dad, don't speak to me again. Okay, thanks, Bobo. <laughs> but uh, you, you didn't like uh, walk like a man. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I I actually did like walk like a man. I bingo, Bafo. I, I Amy Steele was actually uh, somebody who I I I was 
I'm still terribly surprised she was never picked to play Lana Lang in some kind of like other live action version of Superman. I know um, what I'm asking Lex Pluther for. Walk like a man. <laughs> Walk like a man. Oh yeah. She 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 was really I met her. Uh she was really nice. Um I met her at uh a, a horror convention because she was in you know Friday the thirteenth. And uh lots of people were walking up and asking her all kinds of questions about Friday the thirteenth stuff, and she was like, Oh hey, how you doing? Blah blah blah. Would you want to get an autograph? I was like, I would love to get an autograph if that's okay. And then I grabbed a, a still from Walk Like a Man and she was like, What? And I was like, yeah, walk like a man. I watched this all the time as a kid. And she was like, but no one ever picks that. And I was like, that's, I would have picked the same thing. Brandon, Brandon Powers, <laughs> AKA no one, I guess. Yeah. I literally and, quoted the doctor from the beginning of the movie yeah, just now. So. She was, she was delighted and yeah. she was so happy to talk about it. And she said they had so much fun um making that movie and uh she said and that's the one thing you should ever know if you ever actually get to start making things yourself if you're having an absolute blast the entirety of the time you're making a comedic movie it's not going to be that funny when you finalize it and i was like good to know i will make sure that i make everyone around me miserable if i ever make a comedy thank you <laughs> but yeah um i i said to her i was like you know I grew up reading uh, reading Superman comics by by a particular author, and you, it was John Byrne, um, and watching Stacy Heideck in Superboy. And uh, I said to her, I was like, you know, at the point in time that you were showing up in like Friday the 13th and all these different movies, did anyone ever approach you about Superman 3 before they cast Annette O'Toole as Lana Lang in that movie? And she was like, Oh my God, no. I probably should have looked more into that, huh? Mm. They needed a redhead from the Midwest. I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had my time machine, I'd take you right now, Miss Still. But unfortunately, she's like, I know, right? You know, but she was like so cool about it. She was awesome. Um, but it's just one of those things where I I totally could have seen Amy Steele and Gerard Christopher doing something together. Like, you know, this this guy is like He's one of my all-time favorites, and that's, that's I, awesome. And, and I just, you get to meet him now. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. That's that's. I mean, that would be that would be fantastic. He's gonna. I'm in New England. We're all, you know, Justin. You're, you've you've left us, but Leo and I are in New England, and uh, yeah, he's gonna be showing up at a convention nearby. Um, and there's like a whole bunch of uh, actors who have portrayed Superman, um, that are gonna be there. So. Uh, that was Brandon's version of I sleep in a race car. And I'm like, I sleep yeah. in a big bed with my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, but yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I, there are several there are several people that are going to be there who have played Superman. But, um, you know, for, for me personally, Gerard Christopher was like the Superman, Superboy uh, past the movies, like uh, you know, Christopher Reeve. I, I'm never gonna ch get a chance to meet him anyway. Yeah. But here's the other guy who had like Christopher in his name, who 100% looked the part and played it, you know, to a T. And um, you know, there's not a there's not a moment, regardless of, you know, how how silly the show could get because it was having fun with itself. There's not a moment where you don't believe that his Clark Kenton Superboy 
is is genuine you know like he 100 percent is somebody a character who just wants to help people wants to stop bad guys from doing bad things and not only that he doesn't even want to hurt the bad guys he just wants to stop them that's to me like exactly what that character is it 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 comes down to the you know why would i i kill them why would i why would i hurt them to a point where they can't function anymore if i do that i take away their ability today to be better tomorrow Mm -hmm. and like that is right there at the crux of that silver age style that superboy goes for and uh it's something that i think we are severely lacking in what the character needs to be moving forward uh there's there's no more room for a grimdark superman and clark kent uh and i think the framework with which this character was approached uh alternate realities like storylines and all i think that framework is something that should be looked at and say like okay we update it for modern times but this this is exactly the thing that people respond to um Who's, who's even writing Superman right now? I think uh, Brian Michael Bendis had it, and then I think he's done. We know who, where it's at. Uh, I have I have a Doom pile like you wouldn't believe right now. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I I couldn't I couldn't begin to tell you. Which, but uh, well, there's several books right now for Superman. Yeah, action but, you know, or Superman. You know, it's kind of like the- Batman and Detective Comics. On the plus side of things, like in regards to what we do here for Comics Paradox, um, you know, there was just an announcement made that uh, Elseworlds as a label within DC Comics Publishing is coming back. Hell yeah! Um, which it, it went defunct. Um, it, it, it just kind of stopped uh, with the publication of the three-parter Superman, The Last Family of L, which we still have parts two and three to cover because uh, we did part one a while back. Um, but yeah, like we're going to, we're going to get some, of course, Batman Elseworlds. Cause that's apparently uh, barbarian Batman. Excuse me. It's still a Batman Elseworld pal. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> I will say though, I am pretty, I am pretty excited about the fact that um, they are doing a sequel to Gotham by Gaslight, which was uh, arguably the first Elseworld Sans label, uh, but this one is going to be called Gotham by Gaslight: The Kryptonian Age, which sees the introduction of Superman as a character into that Victorian era Batman. Um, so that's that's going to be really cool. Um, you know they've had plenty of time to think about it i don't know if it's mike mignola uh specifically doing it uh but it, i would imagine it's he's gonna have some kind of input and you know he might the, do a cover i don't think he does yeah work they anymore. might they might try to stick stylistically to what he had done uh but if you know they get someone else and they they go in a new direction for you know you know not eschewing his stuff all together but you know kind of doing their thing for an updated continuation that's fine not a problem i would be uh, totally fine if they just kept his style and just got like uh, someone who was like that it'd be like good you know that'd be great yeah. i um i i really 
it, for me, it, it just kind of makes sense. It comes full circle for me altogether because one of the big stories, like I, I mentioned before, for me was um, Superman written by John Byrne and illustrated by Mike Mignola um, called Return to Krypton, where Superman has the the kryptonite fever dream when he goes back to Krypton with Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Uh, and he's protected by their tech and, and lead spray, lead polymer spray of our show. Oh yeah. my goodness. It was one of the first ones we did. Yeah. Probably ep- episode two or three. Um, but not re- even realizing at that point in time until we, I reread it for the show that Mike Mignola did what is largely seen as the first Elseworld uh, Gotham by Gaslight before the label itself was uh branded onto the first official book batman holy terror which is a stanker it's not a good one we'll get to it eventually but we're not going to be happy about it um and uh you know just to have have elseworlds come back now after a, a hiatus of 13 years i think i think 2010 was when uh last family of of krypton was was released was published um and we're coming back with a mike mignola inspired sequel uh which was what kicked off the whole the whole label to begin with and if it weren't for honestly james gunn and peter safran coming in as the co-ceos of dc studios and james gunn saying elseworlds like every other word out of his mouth since that january announcement we probably wouldn't be seeing DC comics getting ready to publish more of those same stories. Uh, and I only and now that- we have black label too, which is like a whole different thing. Cause those are all not continuity for the most part. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 Elseworlds is a slightly different animal where you can take, you know, the characters and put them in completely different settings and it really does do a whole what if thing, uh, you know, just a prestige oh, yeah, format, you know. I, I feel like there's some of these that you could have just thrown those on. Like there's uh, there's Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. You know, there was uh, I think there's a, a Swamp Thing, Green Hell. Uh, you, you could have even done this with uh, like some of the Batman, like the last the last laugh on Earth or something like that. Like last like night those, on Earth, last night on Earth, you know, those. Um, like those could have been easily labeled a an else. Yeah, I can honestly see that because last night on Earth uh, feels like it would line up with um, another Elseworlds that we're going to cover at some point in the future called Superman Distant Fires. Um, has sort of a last days of Earth kind of feel to it. Wasn't final? Uh, wasn't final night? Uh, not continuity? No, that no, was no. Okay, that's uh, that's. I thought that was like an annual book or something. Nope, that's how Hal Jordan sacrifices himself to redeem what he did as Parallax and then ends up getting tapped to be the Spectre. Okay, because I thought he was I thought he was already dead because uh No, no, he killed himself by reigniting the sun because a sun eater shows up and starts to eat away at uh, yeah. our our solar system and uh Superman starts to lose his powers and we start going into uh, an ice age here on planet Earth, and Hal Jordan's like, "Well, I guess there's only one way we're gonna solve this problem. I'm gonna go blow myself up with all the chronal and Green Lantern energy I've stolen over the past couple of years, and uh, hopefully everybody forgets that I was kind of a dick not too long ago." All I'll right, have to, I'll have to read go through my uh, 
zero hour then because that's I I thought he he got killed at the end of that. Nope, nope. Um, okay. he uh he didn't. Go <laughs> <laughs> he, he, def- uh, he he definitely didn't die at the end of that. I I will say that. But um, so yeah. uh, real quick, the uh, uh I finally found it. The current writers of Superman, uh, Joshua Williamson. Oh, Josh Williamson. Okay. Yeah, uh, he's writing. Uh, we mentioned that last week. <laughs> What's that? We mentioned that last week because he wrote the Bane book we read. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, he, uh. He's. Uh, I don't know if he wrote the earlier ones, but he's writing Superman number seven. It's going to be an oversized 850th issue. Damn. And then uh, for Action Comics, it's uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. Okay. That's enough out of you, Kitty Cat. This is our show. Quiet. <laughs> and uh Dan Jurgens is doing the art on that uh eight fifty issue. I'm I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> and uh I would I would just like uh we're we're I'd like to close out um you know the, the episode where we we talked about um some really great episodes from this series that starred Gerard Christopher from the second season uh through the end of it in season four. Um, the alternate reality episodes that we're talking about, and I don't, you know, I don't want to get too too much into them because I want people to get the chance to um, watch them and enjoy them for themselves. Uh, but they were the two parters: uh, "Roads Not Taken," "Roads Not Taken One and Two," uh, and then "The Road to Hell," parts one and two. Each episode is about twenty-one minutes. There's obviously no commercials at this point. Very easy to to watch and, and get through. Um, there's, uh, you know, darkness combated by a whole lot of light in the first two, especially because of the alternate reality we find Superboy in where Lex Luthor is uh, no longer a problem because of Superboy. Uh, so I, I highly recommend those. And if you want to get an idea of like the kind of super um, the Superman stories from the Silver Age that sort of we're a precursor to this kind of thing. Um, one that I read and we will likely cover at some point in the very near future, uh, was, uh, Superman volume one, number one thirty-two. Uh, it's called Superman's other life. Uh, and what this particular, uh, issue from 1959 talks about what it shows is Superman sees through like a, like a, chronograph thing and you know because the fortress of solitude back then had the craziest technology i mean this is a point in time where superman had he could like move planets with his pinky finger you you know he was just overpowered like a mofo uh but this one and i i just looked it up i never realized it it was written by otto bender the same guy that i i said helped work on and create Superboy uh, once they realized they wanted a teenage version of the character at DC. Uh, and the cover artist for the, ep- for the issue was Kurt Swan. In uh, the, the penciler for the entire book was, was Wayne Boring, um, who did quite a lot of stuff uh, for, for DC over the years. But particularly... What's the name of that, that story again? But hold on, Wayne Boring particularly did the cover of Superboy number one in oh. April of 1949. Um, Otto Binder and Wayne Boring—that was that was their deal. 
Um, it was Superman Volume One, Number One Thirty Two, from nineteen fifty nine. The name of it is Superman's Other Life. You can find it in the um, the trade, the greatest Superman stories ever told, Volume One, right there. Okay, yeah, I was just <laughs> I looking for it because exactly. I'm like, I, I'm like, I know what this is. I was, I was literally I looking was, for it. <laughs> I was obsessed with this story as a kid, um, oh God, especially with. Yeah, especially with the character who becomes the superhero of Krypton, uh, who is not Kal El, um, but it, it, it's it's the kind of fun Silver Agey kind of alternate reality thing you would get, like an imaginary tale, which led to such things as Elseworlds and the kinds of things we saw in uh, the Adventures of Superboy, the television series that we've talked about today. Um, I, I do, I do recommend you, you know, hunting it down and scoping it out. This is back at a, a point in time when, you know, you would get, you would get a, a, a an issue of a comic book and it would be, it. yeah, it, it would be uh, a decent length. I mean, that it's probably like 40 pages long. I swear it's got like three sizable chapters, like three acts in it. Um, and the character in it that is basically like Superman for Krypton, it's the only story I've ever seen him appear in. They've Ooh. never they've never used him in anything else. And uh I think if you if any any of our listeners do check it out, if you guys check it out, you may note like a bit of a similarity um in why I got so excited uh about the sto- to the story of uh Superman last son of earth nice yeah um but you know we can we can leave it there uh you know we just i i highly recommend checking some of this stuff out um superboy as leo said you can find the series uh for digital purchase on apple uh i have it on uh, amazon prime video that's where i purchased all four seasons can't recommend starting with season two enough um <laughs> <laughs> Gerard Christopher all the way, man. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Superman 132 uh, for from Volume 1, 1959, uh, written by Otto Binder and uh, drawn by Wayne Boring, cover art by Kurt Swan. Uh, as Justin showed here, uh, I also have it. That's how I read it in that same trade, The Greatest Superman mm-hmm. Stories Ever Told. They have made other volumes of it, like two, three, four since then, but this is volume one i I, I've, I have it with the same exact cover justin the same the same thing the old that style superman be, in front of the statue of liberty torch uh was that an ollie's pickup that wasn't ollie's uh but it was a store like ollie's i don't know if it was like okay. railroad salvage or uh you know depending on how far back everybody goes but it could have been ocean state job lot oh, you know gosh gosh yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think that book uh I think I just picked it up recently at Ollie's as well. Nice, good, because yeah. we we will we will cover that issue at some point in the near future. Um, but it's it's good to take a look at some of these Silver Age things to to kind of show us, hey, look at all this stuff before it went grimdark in the eighties. Thanks, United Kingdom. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll stop it there. Um, everybody, please go check those things out, um, and we will we will uh, 
do our valedictions here. Uh, we'll we'll start off with with me, and I'll I'll go to these two cats. Uh, I am I am powerful, Brandon. Uh, thank you for listening to Comics Paradox, uh, where you know we just we we talk about all these fun alternate reality tales and takes. Um, you can check me out on Instagram at this Brandon has powers, uh, as well as uh, the co- podcast itself on Instagram at Comics Paradox Podcast. Um, I am also on Twitter at Brandon's Powers, and uh, you can come on over and, and check out our website for this podcast, uh, comicsparadox.com. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, just keep your, your eyes open, your ears, eyes open, ears peeled <laughs> for, uh, for checking this out uh, wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. And uh, I'll hand it over to uh, Mr. Leo. Tell, tell them what you're all about, sir. Uh, yeah, just you, you can find me. Just Google Leo Pond, and uh, you know I do a bunch of stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, check out the Dork Night. We do some pretty cool stuff where we talk about Batman. Uh, Justin and I love Batman, and uh, Brandon's along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ain't lying. Yeah. And uh, Justin, man, tell us tell us what's uh, what's going on with you, bud. Check me out at my new website, GerardChristopher.com. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Oh, we should see if that domain is still available. Oh, if it's available, that'd be it, fantastic. Oh, oh, I'm going to yeah. check. I'm going to check. I, mean, I, I, I can't wait not, to hear it. It's not up anymore, I can tell you that. The, the That would be great just to own that, too. But, no, check me out on uh, the Epic Shells Facebook group. It's all about Ninja Turtles. You can check me out on the Epic Tales from the Sewers, uh, a TMNT podcast where we go all into uh, the vein of, of Ninja Turtles, and we even read out the comics and do all the voices. And then um, – my last podcast, last but not second, is as Brandon would say, the Generation <laughs> Playlist Music Podcast, where we generate a playlist for you on a certain genre of music or artist. Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone for, for checking us out. Uh, we will catch you on the flip flop for the next episode in just a couple weeks. In the meantime, we will have a new episode of The Dork Night hitting you next uh, next week or. A week after, I don't know. We switch off between these two. <laughs> uh, so if 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 you're 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 geared up to hear some some fun bat Batman stuff, we will most certainly be there to provide that for you. Thank you, everybody, and have a good one. See ya.